guys, welcome back to the Rhythm Section, brought to you as always by the Mind Refiner. This week, we're reviewing What You Gonna Do When The Grid Goes Down, the latest album by Public Enemy. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you have time, follow the Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. So here today, as always, to discuss the new album by Public Enemy, What You Gonna Do When The Grid Goes Down, is the host with the most, Coburn Blair. How's it going? It's going good. Um, this is the first Public Enemy album on Def Jam since 1998. Now, to frame this, uh, you know, Public Enemy dropped their first album, Yo Bum Rush the Show, 33 years ago. What is the political climate like then compared to today? And does Public Enemy's music have a place in today's ecosystem? I think I'm going to flip that question back at you. I'm going to say, who would you call the public enemy of today? Uh, Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, which is apt because they're name-checked on this album. They are. Um, I, I would say, I'd say yes. That like, like, I mean, also, like, YG's featured on this album. And, like, it's, it's funny to be in the era that we're in, experiencing the things that we're experiencing. And I would say the political side of music hasn't reflected the times and we look back on music whether it's rock music punk music folk music etc woody guthrie bob dylan uh public enemy whoever and usually i think the music that is popular paints a better picture of the time that we are living in and i think right now we are living in a time where politics everything life is just more warped than ever but i would say the music that's on the radio and reflected in our faces doesn't reflect that at all would you agree yes i think that you know people will take parting shots at the political situation or you know you have the odd run the jewels type but i mean like i i i think that's there's absolutely something to what you're saying i think that Okay, we'll look at it like this. So Public Enemy, when they first came out, uh, you're in the Reagan-Bush uh, presidential run, right? So, you know, you're having the, you know, Republicans in power from, like, 1980 to, like, 1992. And Public Enemy is relevant then because they're coming out and they're talking about race in America. They're talking about white nationalism in America. They're talking about the inherent racism in the system that is the United States of America and systemic racism is a big thing we talk about right now. And we still have to convince people. Did you say, did you say 1992 or are you talking about like, like 2012? Well, this is, well, this is kind of what my long winded thing is. So if public enemy was relevant, then, then they logically have to be relevant now as they exist because the political situation isn't any different. When during the, you know, the, again, with the, the Reagan era, you know, this idea of white nationalism and ultra conservatism, the rise of the religious right, all these different things, all of this is stuff that public enemy rapped about before and still, and still is there now. And, but right now it's in the specter of, of, like you said, the vacuum of political music, because I mean, to an extent, hip hop is just always political, but you know, I'm talking about like, you know, but it's just, again, passing shots at, you know, 
at the administration. Trump's an easy target, obviously, because he's an idiot. I think I think I almost go so far to say is that hip hop is fairly political these days, or at least what's presented to the mainstream. I think it's more sanitized than ever right now. I, I think that's right. I think that. It's just now it's if you can take that pa- that passing shot, they will. But that doesn't mean it's politically motivated. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, mo- it's, it's, it's almost in the same way that like that, like Democrats or like, you know, like these existing power structures will kind of take pot shots at to the right of them. It's like they'll do it when it's politically convenient. And I, I'm thinking like, we're, you know, we're heading into election year. We're heading to this like, you know, like. A lot of what I'm seeing from hip hop artists is like, as far as they'll go, is tell people to vote, which is very politically expedient. It is a very open-ended message. You know, vote, vote for who? You know, it's not. We're not telling you who to vote for. We're not telling you who's wrong or who's right. We're saying it's bad. Vote. So I, I, I'm, 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 I'm questioning things because, you know, like I'm sure, like I know you're a fan of punk. You've kind of, you know, followed trajectory of, of music for a long time. What do you think, why do you think at this time of heightened political insecurity or whatever you want to call it, music has shied away from this moment? When Trump got elected, a lot of people I knew were like, I, would lo- I can't wait to see the music that comes out of this. And there's been some mu- good music that come- that's come out of it. But I think it's because things like music and media have just become at this point overcapitalized i mean it's always been a commodity but now i think it goes down back to the michael jordan republicans buy shoes also um and i think that there's there's i would say it's it's widespread artistic fence sitting um where there's no conviction and there's almost a fear of it's almost like part of cancel culture kind of plays into it where they're worried that if they take a certain stand and it alienates a certain people or it doesn't play well in the suburbs or something like that, that it it just isn't going to work out. You know what I mean? It's not like, like you know, what Public Enemy did was really kind of understand the... And obviously there's criticisms of Public Enemy as they've said dumb things over the course of, uh, you know, over the course of their history. I really think that there's no that first of all not a lot of people really take the time to educate themselves is one thing you know what i mean uh and that's across the board from an artistic standpoint um yeah and i think that given that the margins and things for artists are going down and it's becoming increasingly difficult to be commercial that there is a fear to alienate potential consumers and i think if anything that is the most damning concept you know about it right you know what i mean is that at the end of the day you can vote for whoever but capitalism is still going to exist in its current form and there's going to be the you know over commoditization of art like of art period you know what i mean Um, yeah like i think for me like i remember like earlier this year when uh taylor swift kind of took a very decisive action and she kind of publicly went against trump which i think is also in some ways politically expedient because Trump is easy to hate. He's easy to make embolic of the situation in America and, you know, all the evils of whatever. And that was a huge departure because she'd always been very on the fence, like you said, about music. And I would assume that 80% or 90% of her base is either Trump supporters or their parents are Trump supporters in the States in, you know, certain regions. 
Yeah, who bought her first three albums? Yeah, and, but then you look at like someone like the Sex, Sex Pistols' Johnny Rotten, who com- comes out uh, a week ago or not even a week ago, and is wearing a MAGA shirt. And that's a troll. Like from Johnny Rotten, that that that's just a, it's Johnny Rotten. Like at this at this point, I think what people don't realize about bands like the Sex Pistols is that the Sex Pistols and the Clash even more so are like our constructions at the same time. You know what I mean? Like they're meant to hit a very specific chord, you know, and they are brainchild of Malcolm McLaren. I love the Sex Pistols, but at the same time, they are what they are. And then a band like The Clash, whom I also love, and Joe Strummer is one of my favorite musicians, they were constructed. You know what I mean? And they, they you know, they, they were more so constructed than the fucking Is sex- that like in a pop sense of construction? Like, you know, like well, they're behind the scenes, people pulling strings? And- no, like the band was assembled but you know like the band was assembled by somebody you know what i mean well, like that's in the of, same way that like a, a backstreet boys is kind of well together. this is well, well this is exactly what it is because when i was reading um the clash biography um uh it's fashion is a passion i believe it's called if i remember off the top of my head i haven't read it in years uh you know they they discuss that and they discuss how the sex pistols and and, and the clash where you know like yeah there's boy bands but like that's not exclusive, and that's a mindfuck when you're younger reading that, because you're like, you think you have the, like, punk morality, and then all of a sudden you realize that that shit happens, you know, in the punk world as well. You know, I, I, I think, again, it's it's really breaking down to the over-commoditization of fucking music, and no one wants to rock the, rock the boat. And even, like, even though it's politically, exp- like, it's, it's convenient for someone like Taylor Swift to do it, you said it, she would have alienated a lot of her you know a lot of her fans at the beginning i mean like it like i like part of me just because it's pop is like well has she is she trying to cement that move into pop by alienating previous fans and making other fans happy but i think at this point her music is kind of above that you know what i mean especially with folklore where it's really driving you know an artistic you know an artistic mood and it's you got to figure she probably has more in common with public enemy at this point than some rappers in the community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't, because yes, there is a hesitance to go at it. And I don't, and I don't think music should be apolitical. I think you can make music that's apolitical, but like, I, 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 I I think that fence sitting at this point, you know, people are, I don't want to sound like this is like an air America left-wing podcast, but I think our values are pretty, you know, are progressive and that's fairly understood within five minutes of listening to this. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a person who believes in more progressive things, this is not the time to be quiet. It never really was, but especially now fence sitting to me seems almost like a cop out. Well, I think like getting into it, right? Like public enemy have never been fence sitters. And I think that's what we look at like on any of their albums. Fear of Black Planet is a very polarizing album. It's almost a political statement in itself. And I think even down to their name, and a song like Fight the Power, which we, re- we revisit on When the Grid Goes Down. Yeah. What did you think of their approach to politics off the bat of this album? I mean, they, it, this, I mean, they kind of work the same political blueprint. Yeah. You know what I mean? They really kind of continue with that. And I haven't really generally enjoyed Public Enemy albums post He Got Game and, you know, like post Def Jam. Yeah. 
but I think their approach is, you know, it's it's aggressively partisan, as usual, where they, and not partisan in a, like, party sense, like, you know, which political party do you vote for sense, but in terms of what their beliefs are, I think at this point, and, like, any point in the last 400 years, um, you know, black people and people of color are still um, disenfranchised in this society, and as I said, and you said, not nothing has changed. So they attack it like that. And Chuck D is the, I think the blueprint for, you know, of the political rapper. I don't know how I feel about some of the revisiting of the songs though, like fight the power. I th I think that would be my, I think public enemy number one, the, the remake of public enemy number one, kind of remake a public enemy number one, even though I love who is on it. And we will get into that as we, you know, after we just get into our initial thoughts here, I I'm like, why are you retreading that ground? Like fight the power is hollowed hip hop ground. Chuck D is really the guy who, you know, sh he creates the, he's the prototype for that. And then you see quickly uh guys like ice cube get you know are super political like i i i think that people overlook that ice cube is so political and he looks at you know chuck d as one of those you know as as the person who really i think uh ice cube says it's chuck d and krs1 uh, in terms of his biggest influences and a lot of I, I, there's a whole generations of rap of rappers especially from the golden age of hip hop in the early 90s um where like the Chuck D is everything to them. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point. And uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of like look at today's rappers and to say like, you know, who has the traces of the, of this DNA coursing through them, who is kind of addressing these topics and who's doing it in a, in a, in a big light. Because I think, I think that's the thing that's kind of missing is that like, I'm sure. And I know of so many different rappers and stuff like that, but like who is doing it, on a level where you know the average public is tuned into what they're saying like when i heard ice cubes like death certificate or i listened to america's most wanted these are like super political raps and they're also you know like he's doing well on the charts he is he's he's scary he's a scary rapper at that point too it's like you have a little bit of gangster rap influence but also like he's scary politically because he is he knows what he's talking about he's advocating for strategies that middle America or, or the suburbs don't don't want and there's a fear there which I don't think you get even in the kind of the um the gangster rap that you get today where it's like hey it's kind of scary because these neighborhoods are very underprivileged and these people are rapping about extreme levels of violence there's not a hey let's be violent in a politically expedient way it's hey let's be just we're talking about violence in the general sense we're talking about inter inter-community violence whereas Ice Cube is like, hey, like, I have an AK, but, like, I might turn it on the president or I have the president's, like, dead body on my album cover, and this is, like, not for play. You know, it's NWA almost replaced the Black Panthers, I feel, in, like, the, the white person's consciousness. And, in, in, the, in the fear sense, I think, I, like, I definitely would agree. It's like, hey, like, this is a, this is a new black threat. Because they're able to penetrate the suburbs, too. Yeah. Because you start having kids listen to this stuff in the suburbs. So you have parents who are hearing this stuff from their kids, and they're seeing albums like Fear of a Black Planet. Yeah. And, uh, like, the name itself is political. They're like, what is that? Like, what is this? Yeah, that's, like, that's what gets Tipper Gore's, like, panties in the bunch, you know? It's like, that's that's what it is. Like, that's yeah. why, hey, let's, let's, we got to 
somehow like censor this because we can't have this coming into our kids. Exactly. And since those situations, you know, haven't changed, you know, they've been able to put out this album. I just like, if anything, it's more like from a pop context is public enemy uh, relevant, if anything, because their music is completely relevant. I think it's just a matter of, you know, how, like, how is it perceived in this day and age with almost, I feel younger people in some ways are so much more political and then in other ways are apolitical. I wonder too if there's more escapism expected from music these days. Whereas you have so much media influence in so many other ways and every other facet of your life that like you don't go to music really for when when Chuck D calls hip hop like C like the ghetto CNN like it's like you know you're delivering kind of what's going on in in the black world or in in the hip hop world to listeners ears all over the world. And, you know, you have a song like Fight the Power that, like, it's played, like, you know, when the Berlin Wall fell or whatever. You have these kind of moments that are only really transferable through music because there's not another way it's getting out there. Or in the way that, like, you have Bob Dylan make a song about Hurricane Carter, and that song is really well received, and it is telling a story that you might not get on your, like, whatever the news was of, of the day, where now you're... At all times, you go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, and you're just poured it in. So you're like, hey, let me like escape from this, and let me go listen to something that's super melodic or super, you know, not of the moment. I don't want to hear about Donald Trump. I have to see Donald Trump's face 20 times a day on my social media feeds. Let me get some escapism from that. So I wonder if that plays a part in it as well. It's almost like it's a political move to just drown out dissent through like oversaturation. So I think part of it is the delivery method and the purpose of music. So like the purpose of music first is like, I feel like it's a movement. It's kinetic. You know what I mean? I, I think that it's, it's kinetic and it's a, like a, a nonverbal form of communication. So I think there's almost like an accepted expected you know use of it that its very first purpose is a level of escapism, but it becomes like, it's always become a Trojan horse for, for politics and i think that woody like again woody guthrie bob dylan you know chuck d bob marley uh, like bob marley's music is heavily political but there's a groove with it no you know what i mean like when the average person thinks about bob marley's music politics isn't the first thing they think about they think of like reggae but though people who know what's up about bob marley um you know with a, a little bit more you know if you're looking beyond just the fucking your copy of legend this is music that is entrenched political political stuff and i think that people ex- don't ex- necessarily always expect propaganda in their music you know what i mean like they're, they're not expecting discourse in their music i mean the rise of rock and roll and the rise of hip-hop were more um an attitude than anything so i i, I think that and a political statement through aesthetic and through that attitude and, you know, an embrace of youth. But I don't think people are, they don't necessarily, the first thing they think about is the music has to be political. But I think, like, also, like, public enemies, like, the antithesis to that almost, right? Because, like, obviously you Absolutely. had pop rap, pop rap that was going on at the time. But then you have, like, you know, like, when they made It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Like Chuck D says he aimed to make uh, Marvin Gaye's what's going on for hip hop. He wanted to talk about the moment that they were in. And it's, 
interesting to look back at this album and like you said you know we're rehashing a lot of things on this album they're giving you a 20th anniversary of fight the power or whatever on this album and the political moment hasn't changed that much like and i think when you think about it linearly you're like oh well there was like Barack obama there was clinton there was some ups you know like there's bush era but like even bush era we're looking back on like a little bit fondly now for no reason whatsoever other than they yeah. want to make trump out to be the devil and bush is expedient to that but the era hasn't changed that much you know like all the things that are talked about on these early like this three run uh, albums from public enemy are pretty of the moment and so like when they're rapping on this album i think to me it sounds a little bit dated but it's not not of the moment the message yeah the messaging isn't you're not like oh well that's completely changed now you're like oh yep that's still the exact same thing and maybe from our perception the only reason it seems not relevant is because they're a legacy hip-hop act yeah you know what I mean? So, like, if somehow Travis Scott came out talking like this, everyone would be like, yo, Travis Scott is so fucking relevant, son. Yeah. Right? Like... We don't know what Travis Scott's talking about. He's yeah, we not have... Yeah, yeah, this, this guy is making hamburgers. Uh, yeah. So... I mean, generally, I mean, to kind of get around, I mean, we're kind of blending the initial thoughts with the framing of this. I think that I don't like the fusing of hip-hop and rock music typically um really with, with well, some you're, you're, you're a bc boys fan hold on okay hold on a second here but this is the this is the thing right this is where the caveats come in because i love rage against the machine fantastic one of the most incredible live bands i've ever seen wait they're they're a political band yeah so you remember that shit remember <laughs> yeah. that shit i remember when, i remember when paul ryan was like yo rage against the machine's my favorite band and tom morello was just not fucking having it yeah um, have you heard have you heard of it? yeah ha have you seen the title have you seen a fucking album cover by them yeah and there's a guy earlier this year too who's like canceled his like he like was trying to follow them on tour and then he realized they're political i was like uh, i'm not going to this anymore like it's like how fucking square are you but this is that's recuperation at its finest um of just like absorbing it um and i i i feel like you know as i said i, I the the it, it's the when you start getting into the like the post rage against the machine stuff you know what i mean when you start getting that's when i'm just like like listen if you can do it well bc boys is one of my favorite bands of all time I think they do, a, but you know what? They really, really re like rest their hats on funk for like ill communication and check your head though. Whereas, like, I wouldn't say it's like straight up. Like, they delve into pop and hardcore. They're like a. They're to me like the initial. I think they laid the groundwork to to have pop punk exist years later and sound very different. Like in like a Blink One Eighty Two or like a Sum Forty One or like a Linkin Park. I think. You know, like, I think those guys are all fans of Beastie Boys in some kind of way, shape, or form. Well, this is the thing, too, because especially because you're putting the Beastie Boys in, like, they're coming out at the, round, at the same time that Public Enemy is coming out. And, you know, like, it's that whole, and the, the lines that are drawn from there, because I know a lot of punk bands also think Public Enemy is an influence as well, because it's ardently political, and there's obvious connections between punk and uh and hip-hop i think of the music i love obsessively now it's punk and hip-hop that have really loved that have really like kind of survived me growing up but like i didn't even like like the run dmc and aerosmith thing like i just i just i just it's not that it wasn't i don't think it's important or relevant it's just that i'm not going to listen to it yeah um, i think like for me like it's 
it's something that happened and I think it's an important thing that happened, but it's not something that I'm like, I need to go back to this. And this is like yeah. uh, ground sh- groundbreaking or sh- shattering type thing. Yeah. So the more like the couple tracks on it, I think it's yesterday, man. Also they drop a Bruce Jenner uh, turned femme line. And I'm just they like, did it again. Eh? Yeah. I think it's the second time that they've done this in like as many years. It's like 2017, I think. It's not even like, listen, if they're rhyming the, you know, the name Bruce Jenner or something, but it's like Bruce Jenner turned femme, what happened? And they do it in a list of things that almost seem like America's falling apart because of those things. And I'm like, that's a little tone deaf, especially since you're looking at, um, you know, it, it, there is a, a, a quest for rights there. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not contrasting trans rights versus, you know, the enfranchisement of black people. I'm just saying that you got like freedom, you, like you got to. It's not, uh, it's not bueno. Well, I mean, what were your initial thoughts on this, on this album? I mean, I think for me, it, it sounds to me like Chuck D is six years old. And that's not like necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I think even the politics to me don't really sound fresh. Like I hear like a lot of like 45, 45, 45, which is like, yes, it's very easy to, you know, place the political moment we're at at Trump's feet and it's very easy to do that but okay what led up to this like you know like it's he's an easy target and he's a terrible person and he has COVID right now and I'm not wishing well for him but like the moment doesn't end or start with Trump so I think to look back at like he's a symptom of a much larger problem exactly exactly so I think like there's a lot of songs that I enjoyed. I'm enjoying them in Primo. I kind of enjoyed the relook at Fight the Power. I wish I could get a Fight the Power that isn't by them and is of the moment and has the same political messaging. And I'm sure that I am skipping out on something that's out there that has the same sounds that I probably haven't heard or haven't listened to in that light. I, the album sounds dated in, in ways. It sounds like a kind of a reunion tour to me of Public Enemy that I knew and kind of grew up on. The thing about even like for me growing up on them, I'm a bit younger, whereas like, you know, like Nas is a bit more like contemporary to me at the time that I was kind of coming to age and Public Enemy was you know, influence on on the stuff that I grew up on. So yeah, I'm a big fan of of Public Enemy through, you know, Osmosis, um, through Spike Lee's use of them and Do the Right Thing. That's such an iconic scene. But it, it sounds a bit dated to me. It sounds like a little bit of commentary from a couple generations ago. And I think that's kind of where I have it, like, pitched in my head. It's not going to be something I don't think that I'm going to add to my daily rotation or go back on. But it's also, I'm happy to hear them make this. I also, like, what happened with Labor Flav getting fired? Did that, like, ever pan out to anything? So, apparently, uh, he was fired because over this Bernie Sanders situation where he's like, I don't think Chuck D should be speaking for the whole group because the apparently the group was supposed to perform at a, um, you know, a Bernie Sanders rally, or it was Chuck D who was supposed to, but he was carrying the public enemy, like... signage or whatever or under the guise of Public Enemy and Public Enemy supports this. Flava Flav took some, you know, umbrage with that and said some shit like, we're not going to do that and all this kind of stuff. And then the rumor was that Chuck D was like, I think if he, you know, Flava Flav has the next year to get his shit together or else he's out. And then, you know, afterwards it was like withdrawn 
you know, like it's a publicity stunt or something like that. But then Flava Flav was like, that wasn't a publicity stunt. That was real. And because I don't really, I mean, this it was is like a lawsuit of... too. Like I remember yeah. Chuck D tweeting, tweeting about the firing thing. His, his, he got sued by his ambulance lawyer. He called him and then he suggested that he needed rehab. Um, as an ardent flavor of love watcher, I kind of took umbrage to that. But yeah, Flavor Flav is Flavor Flav, and he's been Flavor Flav since you know there's a Flavor Flav to be. I was happy to hear him on the album. Like I, I think he sounds at home, you know, in between Chuck D's rapping and his ad living or whatever. I think it just works. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I was curious about that because like he was just like right back there. There was never really a conversation. I never saw like him being re-added to the group if he was ever fired from it i don't know yeah and i like i think you're also your i think your note about how chuck d doesn't really sound you know like a modern like rapper or matter modern musician talking about modern things i think for me the things i the thing i don't like about this album is how it's almost like the political discourse is diminished from what it used to be when he should be smarter now right yeah. is that is that is that you know they're talking about 45 and you know in an interview with vlad tv he was talking about how like him and be real don't even call this guy president they just call him 45 because he's not a president yeah or whatever and i'm just like you know what the, i listen i obviously hate donald trump don't wish very many good things uh to him but there is a way larger system in you know america as a late stage empire that created donald trump and the pre and fear of a black planet it takes a nation of million of millions and yo bum rush the show take that empire to task and that's why they're smart because it's bigger than reagan and it's bigger than um you know it's bigger than trump and it's bigger than obama and it's bigger than bush there's a through line through all of it and you know that's america as an empire and they tackle america as an empire in it and they don't like they really go at it in Apocalypse ninety one, but they don't as well. Like they really kind of go at it, but those albums, the Def Jam albums, are the are the ones that they're really framed, you know, as these spokespeople for a political generation. But now, when you're coming into it, it's like you got to come into it as an old head. Do you know what I mean? You got to yeah. come into it where as as individuals that have seen this and talking about that lack of change in comparison, you know, and what your years bring out rather than this, this just we're taking shots at Trump. It's almost like, like, it, it seems almost lackluster. And it seems almost like it's lazy. It's lazy. And it's like, you, you're not building on what you have established. Like, like you said, you're not building on what you've established about your opinions and your ideas of what American empire is. You are, conforming to the ms nbc or cnn takes on you know how america has gone downhill because of trump and that doesn't sound like ghetto pbs y yeah you're not you know what i mean that, the, at that point you're not fighting you're not fighting this you're not fighting the power you're not fighting the system you're mad at one person for you know yeah. upsetting like the civility politics that you're used to yes like if a guy like donald trump was out then I mean, like, there's, I mean, him and... I mean, we have a couple of them. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, him and Reagan are different animals. They're completely different animals in terms of what they, in terms of what they touch on. One, you know, Reagan... Reagan's far worse. 
from uh from uh like what is the real issue standpoint uh the problem with i mean trump's danger it comes from you know the culture wars and the, you know the extreme divisions whereas reagan's evil came from capitalism rolling back in you know rolling back uh, regulation and you know just assault on new deal politics at the destruction, destruction of the middle class those kind of yes. things so there are different things to take but that would he wouldn't have reacted like this then he would have been like this Trump is a clown and this is, and he's just a symptom of the bigger argument and don't fucking get it twisted and don't get it, just get distracted. Right. Yeah. And I felt with this album, by rehashing things like fight the power and public enemy number one, I have those as standout tracks. Not like, not for, not for a good reason. Fight the power is still relevant. It will always be relevant, but the remix of it, because it's timeless, the remix of it will have never have any relevance. No, I mean, I enjoyed Rhapsody's one line on it. What did she say? She said something like super like apt that I found. Yeah, when she goes, uh, you love Black Panther, but not Fred Hampton. And especially in like, the movie coming out and everything. But like, I, I enjoyed that line and I enjoyed her inclusion on it. But yeah, there was not anything to me that really stood out politically on the album. My favorite line was about future Toronto Raptors superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo on Toxic. He's going to be great. I can't wait till he's here. But yeah, everything else about the album, it just kind of felt flat, I think, to me. Like, it was, I liked, like, why we signed to Jeff Jam or whatever the deal was. Like, what, you know, what's the rising action to, to get me to listen to a public enemy album in 2020? Yeah, see, I gave it a, a a big, a little L like because um, there's things sonically that they did on this album that Public Enemy does that I enjoy, and I would say that how I got into, I would say how I got into hip hop in general when I was younger is the uh, I I loved the music of it, like I loved it, like it sonically, and then was drawn into the lyrics from there, and then just really begot began to see you know, how important from, you know, and, and how vivid the language is. But so, I mean, like there's songs like fucking rest in beats, you know, George Clinton and the, there's, is, uh, they have some George Clinton action on this. Uh, there's toxic is, you know, these are tracks where I'm like, funky state of the union, the DJ premiere. Uh, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is a, you know, classic DJ premiere beat. Is, is bomb squad still getting paid? Like, like from public enemies that like their biggest check, you think? I don't like I honestly I don't know like I know Terminator X left the band in like I think 99 and you know they've been getting different people in but like the bomb squad used to produce things for other I think it was a misconception that from a lot of people who think that they just produce stuff for public enemy but like oh, they no, also... I mean, like, they got like LL Cool J they have like Belle de DeVoe yeah. they have yeah. tons of stuff I'm like I'm just wondering if like that's their biggest like you know reoccurring check because like I feel like public like you know like fight the power is never going out of style like well, yeah, no, I think I think this time, uh, if we're looking at it from a film point of view or a TV point of view, they are getting that royalty. You know, they're getting their, they're getting their residuals. So um, I think that that's the biggest check. And then now that the, and, you know, live act, you know, live as well, because people still want to see them because they're like a legendary band. But I think that you know, overall, there's sonic moments I like on this. But uh, I, you know, and like I could bob my head. But if I'm not doing work at the same time listening to it. Like, we'll put it this way. I'm never going to throw on this album. 
I'm yeah, going to go into it's, it's ne- playlists and songs that are you know, like- no it's it's not even it's not even in a it's not even in any of the playlists and i like public like i like the first three public enemy records like fear of a black planet i've listened to a million times like i enjoy that album i think it's cutting i think it's cutting edge i think that's an objective in op- opinion like there is like it's just incredible i think did, fear you, of- did you enjoy Nas' verse on this on this album i'm like what's he doing here I'm, yeah. not say, I'm not saying like I get it, but like, you know, I'm just like for me, I'm asking a big question: What do legacy acts, you know, hip hop acts want out of? Because it's different when a hip like if Bob like Bob Dylan put out a record uh, this year or late in 2019 that's getting like critical accolades, he can't fucking sing anymore. His voice sounds like uh, listen. I fucking will talk Bob Dylan with anybody. His voice right now is fucking terrible. Bruce Springsteen, his voice isn't terrible, but he, but I'm like, I don't need to hear any more Bruce Springsteen albums. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I don't, but people, he puts out like Dustin Bones and people fucking love it. And, uh, or Rustin Bones, whatever the fuck that album's called. Anyways, but people friggin' loved it. And it's like, hip hop can't do that. It's like such, it relies on relevance so much. And, you know, like, what do you, what is success for an album like this coming out? is like is my question like what is the expectation i think that's a really interesting question i think that like when i think of this album coming out i think of the people who were my mentors and people who you know showed me what there was cool in hip-hop and like you know came up in this era like my uncles you know people i worked with people who like mentored me and i think like you know okay like you guys showed me public enemy or told me what albums to go back to listen to like what do you think of this album like are you is this an album that you're gonna listen to like is this an album like who's this album aimed at? And I think it's aimed at, you know, that generation, maybe like the the Gen Xers kind of generation. I don't think it's for millennials or for uh, Zoomers or for like anyone else there. Yeah, so that's that's why the question mark for me is like, what do you? Because also, older hip hop isn't as appreciated by young people as older rockets, and I'm not sure. I think that it's because it's such a young person's game that But I think I think that's also why hip hop is more relevant than ever and that rock, you know, has trouble capturing a new audience. In, well, in rock way is that, resting like, on its laurels. It's, it's resting on its laurels. But also like you know, you talk to you talk to like ardent hip hop fans and like, oh well like you know, like these new people, like new kids or whatever, they don't listen to the classics, they don't know the classics. But you know, hip hop has continued to maintain its relevance over its, you know, 40 year lifespan or whatever. Yeah. Whereas like rock is struggling to have like new acts that like, you know, kind of move the needle on rock. And I think it's like you've placed a lot on classic rock, whereas it doesn't have a lot of room to breathe and to grow and to change because, you know, you have the markers and it's like, okay, if it's not meeting these markers, is it still rock or does it fit? Or can we like, you know, elevate it? Do you know what hip hop th- has so many new genres all the time coming through it. And it's like, nothing's a clear line, I think. Do you know what I think it is? I think that uh, hip hop has thrived on um, staying on, on relevance, like staying relevant and staying current so aggressively as part of its survival. Yes, absolutely, but that's part of its ability. Why it's it became the uh, like a dominant music musical form, right? And why it's more it, it's replaced rock because 
as part of its like survival and like evolutionary mechanism it like it's always trying to stay fresh it's always trying to recreate and you know especially with technology too because now you don't have to buy like a five thousand dollar guitar or some shit you know or like a ridiculous or you you can do it quietly with headphones on and that increased its ability to reproduce itself and reproduce that culture and make that culture fresh and spread it overseas and you get grime and you get all these different things right and the, the and england latching on to hip-hop is a really big thing because you know england is like that's the musical trendsetter for since rock and roll began you know what i mean like there are like if you look at even like a genre like northern soul these are like artists who could receive no respect in the united states but then all of a sudden they go to england and they're big and england has always just had this um you know they're pretty musically savvy and trendsetting and as soon as you know the, you know hip-hop becomes part of that culture like that's when it's it's over at that point like america's big on the commercial sense but england is super big on the critical sense and how they per how they perceive things yeah and i think that like makes a lot of sense too but there's also like you know like england and the european market or the eastern european market or whatever those uh those markets in the time before COVID, obviously kept touring alive for a lot of these acts right because like how many times are you going to put a legacy act through the ringer of you know north america it's like only so many times but you know you have these european markets that are like just clamoring to hear even the stuff from the 80s or stuff from the 90s whereas like you know you're not going to be able to sell out shows with that here because we've seen it enough times especially those like behind the iron curtain countries where they probably just where they probably just got fucking fear of a black planet like two weeks ago um, yeah they just got the vinyl like <laughs> finally like legal in the country yeah it's like man it's gonna be really great when cds drop there so we got to get moving, but like, I, I don't think the discussion of where does this live in the public enemy pantheon is much of a discussion. I can't, it's not like, I don't know. I'm not going to put it super high. Like I probably would put it at the bottom, but like, I'm probably also like missing some of their, some of their albums. Cause like I kind of tuned out cause I kind of like public enemy for me is something that I went back to, to listen to and be like, Hey, okay. Like this is what this is about. You know, I watched, do the right thing i was probably like you know do the right thing is probably 10 years old when i watched it so it's something that i kind of came back on and could come back and appreciate but then i probably like was a little bit out checked out on anything past their third or fourth album for me my top three is very quickly fear of a black planet it takes a nation of millions and yo bum rush the show getting specifically off takes it takes a nation of millions uh black steel in the hour of chaos is awesome it is just such a fucking good song off Fear of a Black Planet, Burn Hollywood Burn, and my friggin' Burn Hollywood Burn, I love. It just, I love. It, it's just incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. First of all, I don't even rank their non-Def Jam stuff because it's objectively, I'm going to say terrible. This would be the worst of the Def Jam, Def Jam albums. Okay, well, I think that's like, you know, that still puts it pretty high because there's a whole chunk between like, like the whole 90s and then to like 2017, which is like, I probably have heard five songs off of some of these some of these albums well i mean the only reason i'm not ranking them with them is because i've just i uh just wasn't having it to be honest with you and uh don't at me that's all i can before, say before we keep moving what do you think of the bc boys on this album though because i know you're a bc boys fan i don't think you really got <sighs> like honestly man i love it when they're out i mean like what, what i tried to do was not bc boys fan it and then be i wish they were on their own thing like i wish they were on like a track that isn't supposed to be 
um, you know, rehashing one of the biggest hip hop songs, you know, of the fucking 80s. You know what I mean? Like, and then they brought a, you know, Run DMC to it, you know, and, you know, it kind of had this, you know, nostalgia for taking you back to the New York in the 80s and the rise of hip hop as a, you know, viable commercial, you know, type of music. But at the end of the day, man, I want the BC Boys not to be tarnished. I'm always pro. I felt a little sad about this one, to be honest with you, because it's like, man, they're here, but. Was Ice T at all on this? The Ice T track's pr- like pretty good. I like, I like, I like, I like, I, I like non body count Ice T. Uh, yo, what's your favorite body count song? Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll have to get back into that. So, I mean. Did you like the interludes on this at all? There's like a couple of them, and I think we've talked. I don't know if you like interludes in hip hop usually. I like ones kind of like this. I don't think the interludes are what took me out of this. I think it was more, I would think it was more like how basic bitch the lyrics were for a political ass band, you know? What on the patented cog scale, what would you rate this? Uh, probably like a five. You gave it a, fu- you gave it a five? Yeah. Like, I'm never going to listen to this again. I have it as a 3.5. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought I was that was low. No. I mean, I'm I'm ready against like also like the like against their catalog. So like, I think for for me that's the problem. It's like two of the most hip is two of the most two of the most influential albums of all time, right? These guys wrote like Rebel Without a Pause. You know what I mean? Like this, like these things are, uh, you know, like I I guess my thing is like I don't even again. That's why I asked that question. I don't even know what they would expect. Like what they should expect. Because like when a band like Public Enemy comes out, I feel like maybe what you got to do is work with new producers. You know what I mean? Like, can you get no ID to fucking do a track? You know what I mean? Like I, people I who are relevant. That's what I think I would love. I think I would love for these legacy groups to do uh, one producer vision album, where it's like you can maybe incorporate other producers, but have it like all master produced by you know somebody new who can vibe with and create you know, a vision for this. And like, not that this didn't have a vision, but I think it's like, you're rehashing your, your classics. You're trying to do new political rap. I, I don't know. I didn't, I don't see like a need for this really. I, I think you summed it up very well. Yeah. On that note, Mr. Coburn Blair, thank you so much. Uh, we got to get going. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, thanks again for listening. If you like what you just heard, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the Mind Refinery on social media. We'll talk to you soon.